I know our, our hearts are heavy this morning. Um, we're, we're not only going to grieve today, but we'll be grieving over the next few days. We'll be grieving over the next few months. As we have just prayed for uh, Lois's family, the, the incredible news and the incredible hope of all this is that Lois is with her father because she knew King Jesus. She is, she's, she's eternally saved. And she'll be with God for eternity. She was, she was a faithful follower of Jesus. And I truly believe she's experiencing fully what our psalm is going to pray today. In Psalm 67, the, the reality that, that has to come out of this psalm but also is, is hitting us today is that death is real, right? Death is real. We're, we're experiencing that today. And the reality for billions of people around our globe is that they have no hope like we knew and we know that Lois had. 3.2 billion people out of 7.9 billion people on this earth have little to no access to the gospel. They've never heard of Jesus. And we have hope. We sit here today because we have hope because the gospel's come to us. The greatest need in our world today is for the gospel to go forth to the ends of the earth. There are men, women, and children from nations around this globe that are dying and going to hell without ever hearing the beauty of our God in the gospel. This mission is great, but our God is so much greater. He desires for the world to be filled with worshipers. That's what we've seen over the past four months in Genesis. That's what he's been doing. Genesis 1 and 2 introduced this created order where God filled it with humanity to fill the earth and fill it with worshipers. The, the reality and the, the incredible news that we see in Psalm 67 is that God uses his people to see his praise among the nations. He uses us. Today we, in Psalm 67, we'll see a beautiful prayer and song for the peoples of the earth. Israel was to be a light to the nations. They were to be a conduit of blessing to those around them. We saw this in Genesis 12, verse 3, where God speaks to Abraham and says, hey, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And now Israel has, has become a great nation, and through them the families of the earth were to be blessed. This is the cry of the psalmist's heart. That the peoples would praise God. That the earth would know God. I pray that this would be our cry today as well. When you're, when you're faced with, with death and the loss of loved ones, the reality of the brevity of life should become so much more real to us. But it also should give us zeal for the mission of God. Life is short, and, enough and, and unless people hear of the gospel, they will not be saved. They will spend eternity separated from the God who created them and loves them. 
So our big idea this morning from Psalm 67 is that God uses his people to see his praise among the nations. Let's read Psalm 67, and then I want to pray for us. Psalm 67 begins, To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we need you. We need you to help us not be distracted right now. God, we, we're, we're all grieving. We're all grieving, Lord. We need you to speak. We need you to bring words of comfort. We need you to, to work in our hearts through the word and through your spirit. We plead with you, oh God, would you do that work now? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In this psalm, Psalm 67, we see the psalmist desiring to be blessed by God. He calls out to God, oh, oh God, may, may, you, may you be gracious to us. May you bless us. May make your face to shine upon us. But the beauty of this is that it's not just for us, but it's, it's in order for us to be a blessing to those around us. So we see that in verses 1 and 2, and then in verses 3 to 5, we see that, God, that this psalmist is pleading with God for the nations. He is, he's pleading that God would save the nations. And then as he wraps up this psalm, we see that he's rejoicing in the future hope that God is going to move among the nations. So three exhortations this morning from this text for us as we think about the world, as we, as we think about living in this world. Let us, let us bless, let us plead, and let us rejoice. Let us bless, let us plead, and let us rejoice. Verses, verses 1 and 2 is a prayer for God to bless. First we see that, that this, is a, this is a blessing. May we receive God's blessing. Verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. This prayer may sound familiar to you. It's, it's found in Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. The Lord is instructing Moses on how the priest should pray for the people. It's a priestly prayer. When you pray for the people, Aaron and your sons, pray this. Says the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We see here that the psalmist, he uses that prayer, but he adapts it to this psalm, this song, this prayer. He prays three ways for us to encounter God. May God be gracious to us. Oh God, would you pour your grace out upon us? This is the source. God's grace is the source of all our benefits, of all the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. It's unmerited and undeserved. This, this grace, 
is how we're actually allowed to be in God's presence. We deserve death. Romans 6.23, I think, gives us a good definition of grace. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's freely given. It's undeserved. We don't work for it. By grace through faith you've been saved. This is grace. This, this free gift of life eternal. And then the psalmist goes on and he says, Oh God, would you, would you bless us? He calls out for God's blessing upon his life. This is God's favor and goodness towards his children. This is the opposite of Genesis 3. Genesis 3, sin was introduced into the world through disobedience to God, and God cursed the land. He brought cursing upon the people. Death was brought into the picture. When you eat of this, you will surely die. Death was brought in, but here the psalmist is crying out, Oh God, would you bless us? Would you pour out your favor and goodness upon us? And then the third way he prays to encounter God is that his face would shine upon us. Oh God, would you, would you allow your face to shine upon us? Would you allow us to be in your presence to experience your presence? Proverbs 16, 15, speaking of the king, says, In the light of a king's face there is life, and in his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. This, this idea of God's face shining upon us is, is this, this experiencing God's presence through the Spirit and through His Word. Our God has revealed Himself, 2 Corinthians 4 says, in the face of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. We experience God's presence through being in Christ. Oh, that we need this right now. God, God would you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us, oh God. God, we pray that over, over the Thomas family right now. God, would you do this work? Would you be present? This is a great prayer for us to pray every day as we wake up. God, be gracious to us, bless us, and make your face to shine upon us. But it's not for us. It's not for us. Listen to where the psalmist goes in verse 2. It's incredible. May you do this, O God. Right? Verse 1. Do this, God. Do this in my life. That. That your way may be known on earth. That your saving power may be known among all nations. You see, all of this is for a purpose. We're not blessed to keep it to ourselves. Charles Spurgeon says, Our love... Our love must make long marches and our prayers must have a wide sweep. We must embrace the whole world in our intercessions. This blessing upon our lives, if you're in Christ, you've experienced this blessing, His grace, His blessing, His face. But this blessing must compel, it must move us to be conduits of blessing. We must be instruments in God's hand to see Him known among all the peoples of the earth. Starting, yes, right here in our neighborhoods, but moving out to the ends of the earth. Yes, God, we, we want to receive this blessing, but we want to be a conduit of blessing. 
And how are we to do this? Oh God, as you pour out your grace, as you pour out your blessing on us, as you make your face to shine upon us, your way, your way will be known on earth. Your way will be known. What is this? What is God's way? What is God's way? Well, we've seen it all throughout Genesis, but we see it fulfilled in Christ Jesus, where he says in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That is the message we go with. Yes, we are, we're blessed in Christ Jesus, but we become a blessing to others by sharing the gospel, by declaring the gospel to those around us, that Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life, that Jesus Christ is our hope and our salvation. This is the way. And then he says that you're saving power among all nations. You see, God is the one who saves. God is the one who is powerful enough to do this, to take a heart of stone, right? That's what it's called. It's a heart of stone. And he's able to make it breathe. He's able to let it circulate. He's able to turn it into flesh so that it'll beat again. See, he's powerful to save. He's mighty to save. And this, this salvation, this saving power is to be known among all nations. When you hear all nations, I'm sure you know this already. Light bulbs should be going off because we say it so many times as we close out our services. This is what Jesus told his disciples. Hey, all authority is mine. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus' longing, his desire. This is our Father's desire that all nations would know this salvation and experience the power of God to save all nations. May we be a conduit of blessing as we experience the face of God in Christ Jesus, as, as we experience his grace and his blessing in our lives, we declare that to the nations. Listen to this word picture that Spurgeon uses here. I think it's, it's super helpful as we think about the, the role of the church in all of this. As showers which first fall upon the hills afterwards run down in streams into the valleys, so the blessing of the Most High comes upon the world through the church. Is this your identity? Is this, is this the mission that you've been called to? As the, as the blessings, as the showers of God's blessings come upon us, come upon King's Church, come upon churches in our area, oh, that we would be vessels to take these blessings to the nations and to our neighbors. This is how God works. The nations are reached through the church experiencing God and going and telling the nations about him. We're to be a light to the nations. You have to tell people about this goodness, this grace, if you're a follower of Christ. There's, there, you can't bottle it up. It won't stay there. You've got to tell somebody about the greatest news in the world. Our hearts, our hearts should break for those around us who have never heard the gospel, for those who have no hope. Oh, that we would, we would be like this psalmist as he's pleading with God, oh God, would you do this? And this is the purpose of why you would bless us and make your face to shine upon us. 
And then verses 3 through 5, we see the psalmist move to crying out for the peoples of the earth to praise God. May we be on our knees. May we be those who are marked by pleading with God for the nations. Orlando reminded me earlier of, of two shootings that happened over the past few days in Milwaukee and Buffalo. Lives taken in the blink of an eye. Things happen all around our world. This past Thursday night, we had, we had a worship night and we, we spent time praying for the nations, praying for, um, praying for life, praying for Ukraine and Russia. You see, things are happening, happening all around us. We're impacted each and every day by the brokenness of our world. Oh, that that would drive us to our knees to plead for the peoples of the earth. Oh, that we would plead as this psalmist does in verses 3 and 5. You see this refrain repeated in 3 and 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You see, the, the psalmist here, he understands what his purpose is. As believers, as followers of Christ, this is who we are. John Piper calls, calls the, these verses 3 through 5 the burning, the burning prayer of the world Christian. The burning prayer of the world Christian. Do you find yourself praying like this? Let the nations praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. God, you're, you're the judge who judges with equity. You're the one who guides the people on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We, we, want to be, we want to be Christians. We want to be followers of Christ who plead for the nations. But so many times, and I'm guilty of this as well, so many times we get caught up in our own little worlds that we forget about the billions of people and thousands of nations around us. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a world Christian. Your worldview's been changed. You no longer look insular into your own life, but you look outward. And you look to the nations and you say, oh God, would you please save? The sobering reality of this is that there are still over 3,000 people groups, according to Joshua Project, that have no access to the gospel. Here, this is what the psalmist is praying for. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Peoples, peoples, nations, earth. This is what he's praying for. That the Gentiles, the nations around Israel, but also the nations of the earth would know Jesus and surrender to him. We want to make disciples of our neighbors right here in this city. But we also want to plead with God to make disciples among the unreached, unengaged people groups of this earth. And then the psalmist in verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. As you think about our mission here at King's Church is we want to equip disciples who enjoy Christ and evangelize the lost. This is what he's getting at right here. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. This, this idea of be glad, we, we probably don't use that terminology a lot. Be glad, be glad, Right? But it, it, means to, it means to delight, to delight in God, to find pleasure in God. One of the, 
One of the things that, that marks in my mind uh, Hank and Lois, they, they sat right here every Sunday. But whenever I started talking about the nations or the mission of God or the mission of King's Church or, or just the gospel going forth, both of them right there are sitting there nodding. They're, they were not vocal people, right? They're not hallelujah or, or yes, that's right. But they're nodding and they're going, yes, I agree. Amen. This is, this is right. Like, this, is, this was their heartbeat. This is Lois, like Lois loved Jesus. And, and this, I, would, I, would, I guarantee right now, I guarantee that she is standing before her father and it hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> she's longing for the nations to be glad and sing for joy. Because she's getting to do it and she's getting to experience it without a broken body. Without a sin-ridden body. Oh, that we would find our pleasure and delight in God. Oh, that we would sing for joy. There's no greater joy in life than to know the God who created you. See, we have this message. We get to go and tell people about this joy that comes from knowing Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 15 that if we abide in him, that we'll have joy and he he will make it full. The psalmist, throughout the psalms, we see them exhorting the people. Rejoice in your salvation. There's no greater joy. That's why the psalmist here in verse 4 can say, let the nations be glad and sing for joy because if they experience God, they'll rejoice. They'll sing for joy. The salvation of the nations will cause them to sing for joy. And then the psalmist shares with us about this shepherd judge. Yes, we plead for the nations and for the peoples of the earth, but we also plead to the shepherd judge. He says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you, God. That's who he's talking to. For you judge the peoples with equity. God, you are a judge who judges with equity. You show no partiality. You show no favoritism. One commentator put it like this. As we think about this this judging with equity, Universal imperfection, right? Universal imperfection, what all of us are infected with, this sin. We come into this world, we're born sinners. Universal imperfection has only one remedy, has only one remedy. This judge judges based on that one remedy. That's it. At the cross we come, at the cross, as we approach the cross as unbelievers, we come as wretched sinners in need of a Savior. There is a judge who rightfully condemns all humanity, yet he has made a way. He is the shepherd. He is the shepherd who guides the nations upon the earth. Jesus. Jesus came as the good shepherd. He says, I I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who comes to give life to his sheep by laying it down. (laughs) That's the way. That's the saving power of verse 1, of verse 2. This is the way. The good shepherd laid his life down for the sheep. He guides us in our ways. This good shepherd offers salvation to those who would turn from their sin and brokenness and turn to him in repentance and faith. 
That's, that's my desire for all of us today. If you're a believer in here, may you turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. That's the exhortation in Hebrews 12. Set your eyes upon Christ. For the unbeliever in here, the call is to see God's grace and his face and know that it's experienced daily through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. You see, the psalmist knows here that God judges and guides the people of the earth. He's revealed himself to them through creation. And they stand condemned because of their sin. How will they hear unless someone goes? How will we go unless we're sent? Y'all know this. This is, this is our desire at King's Church, our vision. We want to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches for the King. This is why we do this. This is our longing. This is why. <laughs> There's peoples who've never heard the gospel. There's peoples who have never heard the gospel right around the corner from here. God's bringing the nations to Charlotte. We have a great mission to go and make disciples. As the psalmist repeats the refrain of let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you, he concludes the psalm in verses 6 and 7 with confidence in God blessing his people. From context, we, we don't know. We don't know exactly when this psalm was written, but we do know it was written hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus. The psalmist was trusting in the promises of God in the blessings of God and in the character of God. This psalm is a, th is a psalm of thanksgiving and rejoicing. And as we experience God's blessing, as we plead for the salvation of the nations, let us also rejoice in knowing that God is redeeming people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. It's what we see in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 as, as John sees these these visions of the throne. He says there's a multitude in chapter 7. There's a multitude that could not be numbered from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. The, the end is already set. God is going to do this. And that's, that's really the, how this psalm ends. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. You see, this, this psalmist is rejoicing in God's blessing. The earth is fruitful. God's blessed the earth. So it produces a great harvest. God's kindness and presence are seen here. The earth has yielded its increase. But then also God's, God's people are blessed. He says, God, our God, this personal God, he blesses us. He shall bless us. The psalmist has confidence that God will bless. He has, he's prayed. He's prayed in the first five verses. And now he waits with expectation. God, you're going to do it. I know you are. You're going to do this work. And in doing this work in our lives, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the, in, all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's rejoice in that. Let's rejoice that God is going to bless us. He has blessed us in Christ Jesus. But then also let's rejoice in what God's going to do. He's going to cause the ends of the earth to fear him. And that's the beginning of wisdom. You see, we... We, we kind of, we distort this idea of fear because many times fear is seen as something bad. And many times in our lives when we fear something, it's actually sinful. 
It's a wrong type of fear. We're fearing the wrong things. But here the psalmist desires that the ends of the earth will fear God. So what does it mean to fear God? Let's, let's just define it real quick. Michael Reeves in his book, Rejoice and Tremble, this is how he defines fear. And I found this book super helpful a few months ago when I read it. It, it kind of gave me a, a, a box to put the fear of God in instead of a distortion of it. So listen to what he says. The right response to God's full-orbed revelation of himself. So, so what he's revealed about himself fully in the scriptures. From every angle, this is what we're seeing. The right response to God's revelation of himself in all his grace and glory. Right? It, it is the only response that the psalmist here wants, that, that we would fear him. But then listen, listen to this last section where he truly defines it. It's an ecstasy of love and joy that senses how overwhelmingly kind and magnificent, good and true God is. And that therefore leans on him in staggered praise and faith. It's a, it's a truly experiencing God's, I mean, really God's grace, his blessing, and his face shining upon us. Right? The presence of God is, if we were to look towards, look through the, uh, the, the scriptures, right? In the presence of God, people would duck. They would fall. Isaiah, as he sees the, the throne room, right, filled with the glory of God, his only response is to fall down. He sees his unworthiness, but he also sees the magnificence of God. And what it causes us to do is, is to lean on him in, in staggered praise and faith. This is it. This is what our desire is for the earth. This is what our desire is for ourselves, that we would truly be overwhelmed by God's love and joy and kindness and, and magnificence. He's the good and true God. He's the one who's revealed himself in the scriptures. As we rightly understand God, there will be a right fear that we have. This fear causes us and all the earth to praise God, giving him all the glory. From this psalm, we see among the nations God is to be known praised, enjoyed, and feared. Known, praised, enjoyed, and feared. As, as Daniel comes back up and, and leads us in our final song, a uh, little aside here, man, Daniel's blessed us today. He's, he's a member at Hickory Grove Baptist Church and uh, just so grateful for him coming and serving us this morning um, through song. I uh, love partnerships. Uh, we're, we partner with Hickory Grove to see the gospel go forth, like the psalm says. So, so grateful for him. I would encourage you as, as we wrap up our service today to come and um, just thank him. This psalm, we, we see we're to be a, a blessing because we've been blessed. We're to plead with God for the nations. We're to rejoice in what God is going to do. And as we wrap up, all of this, all of this is possible because what of what Christ has accomplished. In Galatians 3, 13 and 14, this is what Paul tells us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And listen to verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Abraham's blessing 
that he received from God was for all the families of the earth to be blessed through him. The, the problem is, is that we all stand cursed because of our sin. All of us stand cursed, deserving of death. But in Christ, we can find true blessing because Jesus, according to Galatians 3, he took the curse upon himself on the cross. He, he did it. <laughs> it's finished. We have this incredible message now to go and share with the world. Let us now bless those around us, plead for those around us, and rejoice in God's work around us. As we close, I want to ask this question. <clears throat> it comes from Dr. Aiken, president of Southern or Southeastern Seminary. How do I, at this particular time and place, play my part in the great redemptive drama to see that God, my God, is known, praised, enjoyed, and feared among the nations? How do I pray? How do I give? Should I be one who goes where no man or woman has gone before? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. The, the sober reminder there are still billions of people on this earth that are far from you because they've never had the opportunity to hear the gospel. May it not be, Lord. Our only hope is in Christ Jesus. And God, we plead with you through the blood of Jesus. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.